podcast stuff. So uh, I apologize to those awaiting their commission shows, but I want them to be as good as possible, and it'll be shortly after Christmas that they, you know, as they say, drop. Don't you love a roaring fireplace? Come sit down. Warm your hands by the blazing yule. Have a cup of nog. And enjoy your Buckaroo Holiday Christmas show. You might recall a Christmas record called I Believe in Father Christmas by Greg Lake. But we're not going to listen to that, are we? Nah. We're going to listen to him do a song with King Crimson. Originally released with a vocal by Gordon Haskell. But here's a run-through that was done by Greg Lake before he left for Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Kicking off our Buckaroo Holiday Holiday. Cadence and Cascade.
Alfred Burt. He worked for Alvino Ray's orchestra for a number of years in the 40s and 50s. Would include on his family Christmas card list an original composition each year, an original carol. And this was just a private gift to his loved ones every year. And some musical associates heard one of them and asked if he would let them perform it at a concert. It went over really well. And they prevailed upon him to let Columbia release an album of his carols, or at least about a dozen of them, on a record. Now, some, so he did, and at the, this was at the very, very end of his life. I think he attended the sessions as he was dying. But some of them became standards, uh, caroling, caroling, Christmas bells are ringing, and, you know, like that, and, and a few others. And the song you just heard was one of those songs from that original recording session what are the signs i think it's a beautiful piece and before you heard that you heard at my window by the beach boys might be considered an insipid kind of a song i don't know i think it's kind of nice it was written by al jardine with music by brian wilson and al jardine's lyrics are a little simpering i'll admit but what Brian does in the last third of the song, I think, is as exquisite as anything he's ever done. It unfolds in this gorgeous, gorgeous manner, and I don't know. The reason it popped into my head to play that song was the very opening, which seemed to segue very well out of the previous song. 
So it was just, you know, seat of the pants, like, oh, I think I'll play that one now, you know. No significance other than that. And that previous song was Lady of the Dancing Water, which was a song from the third King Crimson album, Lizard. That was an alternate recording of it. A more simple recording. Maybe a little clunkier in a way, but has a uh, beauty of its own. And I put that there because I felt bad because, uh, you know, Gordon Haskell originally sang Cadence and Cascade. That was from the In the Wake of Poseidon album. And we played the Greg Lake uh, run-through of it, thereby denying Gordon Haskell one of his more lyrical moments. So I thought I'd do right by Gordon by giving you a King Crimson twofer. See that? Jeez. Speaking of doing right by somebody, I want to note something that's uh, really of no interest to anyone in the world, aside from me. Uh, my album, my final album, Room of Voices, that I did a few years ago, finally got a piece of press. It's the first and, I'm certain, last piece of press it'll get. I think it was added as a kindness to a couple of... Uh, year-end lists, roundup-type columns. People saying, like, oh, don't, don't forget about this thing also happened. You know, so there were some friends doing that. But this was a uh, magazine in Holland called uh, Heaven. It's a website and magazine. This guy, Kays Bronsveld, wrote a very pleasant little review of A Room of Voices. And that was very nice of him. The album is a real heartbreak for me in certain ways. I was extremely satisfied with it um, especially considering all it took to produce it and that's where the pleasure ended but anyway as a personal indulgence I'm going to play a song from that album and it relates to the season actually and this might seem kind of weird but I'm going to explain the lyrics to it this relates to discussion I had with somebody recently about lyric analysis, and I don't do much on the show, but it's something I do like to do. If a song warrants it, if it seems like it has that kind of uh, elusive, metaphorical depth, whatever you want to call it, rather than being a fairly direct song. I mean, there's all kinds of ways of writing lyrics, all kinds of ways of listening to them. But when they are like that, um, they can be a lot of fun to analyze. Some stuff kind of requires it, you know, Steely Dan, Van Dyke Parks. It invites that sort of interpretation, wool gathering, whatever. You're not always right. In fact, you probably seldom are, but, but maybe you're never wrong either. And this case, I can tell you with assurance that what I describe is what the lyrics meant because I wrote them. And it's just an example of the kind of thing you can do when you're listening to certain things. Um, it's another pleasure to draw from songs. But first I'm just going to play this song and then maybe another song or two afterwards and then I'll get into that lyric thing because if I describe the lyrics first and get into all of that hoo-ha, then by the time you hear the song it's going to be, oh, really? All that goes into that? So for now and for what it's worth from my clunky little box of demo quality recordings, a room of voices, this one's called Noel. Scumbags telling you to wait 
the Aussie band Vacations with a song called Young. I got onto that song overhearing it. My daughter was on TikTok whiling away the time, and all these little snippets of music pop up. And I heard a little bit of that, and I said, Ooh, what's that? And uh, that's what it was Vacations, Young. I hear the Smiths all over that, do you? And I also dig that kind of off-center spindle effect of the record. You know, it has that wavering, warped sort of feel. I like it. Before that, the Marmalade. Marmalade? Reflections of My Life, a song that has always had a strong emotional impact on me. The world is a bad place, a bad place, a terrible place to live. But I don't want to die. There's truth there. I don't know about that last part. Might have changed my mind on that by now, but uh, the bad place thing... Terrible place to live. Truth and getting truer. And it was a big hit at exactly the time the events of my song, Noel, take place. So, coincidentally, the other day I was looking through an old photo album. Among other things, it contained a series of photographs taken at a party at our Brooklyn apartment that my parents threw for a bunch of young people who went to the same drug rehab center as both of my brothers. I also attended this rehab, but in a youth group that they had. I didn't have a drug problem, thank God. I found it very exciting, and I found all these people kind of hip. I wasn't too young to realize the darker side of all this, but, uh, you know, they all had long hair. They were all really cool. They were all out there in the world. And uh, I met people from all different walks of life, and that took me beyond familiar confines of my neighborhood, which was middle class, well, working class, Irish and Italian mainly. And uh, my parents fully entered into the spirit of it. My father began working with uh, parent groups in the community. Eventually, he worked with a young guy named Al Sharpton. I think I might have mentioned that before who at the time seemed very public-spirited, and my father, who kind of liked him, was dismayed in later years when he took a turn for race-baiting. But anyway, my parents got very committed to uh, drug treatment, drug prevention, community outreach, all that stuff. And they loved all these kids, and they invited them all to the house because a lot of them didn't have families, and a lot of them didn't have any money. So we had them over to the house where we had a holiday meal and give out little gifts and things like that. And it was wild seeing all these faces again. Especially because I had written this song about those people and that place and that time of year. So anyhow, let's get to it. The song's called Noel. And the first part of it is like, um, I don't know what they call it. In poetry, there's a term called an envoy or envoi or whatever it is. It's a little extra thing at the end of a poem that sends you off in another direction or summarizes or whatever the fuck. So, you know, I don't know what they call it at the beginning, but that's what this is. It's like an envoi at the beginning. Um, Being born's no more than chance, dropping dead is fate, and in this precious in-between, a million scumbags telling you to wait, a trillion scumbags forcing you to wait. I was thinking of a lot of what they call a man from Porlock. Have you heard about the man from Porlock? He was this guy who arrived at the door when Samuel Taylor Coleridge was writing his poem about Kublai Khan and tried to sell him insurance. And uh, Coleridge, being polite, tried gently to get rid of him. Couldn't succeed, and the guy hung around for hours bugging him. When he finally left, um, 
the poem was gone. He couldn't finish it. He lost the inspiration. So, so life is full of people who'll do that to you. And kids are especially vulnerable to this kind of thing because they don't have any power. So there's always a teacher or a priest or some other authority figure telling you you got to do this and you can't do that. And to some extent, that's necessary. But most people, when they achieve any kind of power or imagine that they have achieved any kind of power, really just want to exercise it. It's not to any end. It's just to do it. It's the same way people use their uh, sense of righteousness. Accomplishing something is far less important than being angry at somebody else <laughs> and feeling like you know the right way. Especially when you're pretty sure everybody you know agrees with you and will pat you on the back for acting, acting that way. Anyway, when I was a kid, I saw a lot of people suffering, and I felt that I was suffering a lot from this kind of bullshit. So there was this amazing variety of emotions and insights growing, arriving in my life. And this song talks about the loss of faith, or what seemed like the loss of faith. Experiences that plant seeds that sometimes lay dormant for decades, most of a lifetime, can bloom at the most unexpected moments to help you understand, and by understanding, help you get by. And that also comes from people, and that's the great um, risk you have to take, you know? Are they gonna be men from Porlock, or are they gonna be Bodhisattva, or both? at different times. I don't know. Okay, first verse proper. Decrepit rehab, you exquisite sight. The top floor is a sunroom that looks over ninth. And all these kids have problems. Some of them will solve. Snow lands on the newsstand. Doesn't get involved. So the building on uh, Ninth Street between 5th Avenue and 4th Avenue in Brooklyn Park Slope is a Victorian mansion-looking thing in terrible disrepair, neglected for decades. But it was gorgeous, so it was a beautiful site, S-I-G-H-T-S-I-T-E, that the city owned, and they gave it to Direction House to use as a rehab center, and part of rehab was rehab. That is to say that uh, kids who were in there for drug rehab were given the task of rehabbing the building. So we'd tear down walls and tear up floors, replace woodwork and glass and all that, and painting and all that. It was, it was a vocational therapy part of this otherwise very hippie kind of drug rehab program where they have encounter groups in the morning and a lot of people would sit around singing Beatles songs and everything. It was really kind of cool, but serious stuff going on. It still stands, actually, this building. It is now called Slope Music. They have various music classes and possibly events there. It's a big blue building. It's a real landmark. And uh, at the time, up the block on Fifth Avenue, there was a newsstand that I always used to go to to buy my comic books. The guy who ran it was one of these great guys with the cigar in the mouth and the slouch cap, right out of the 1950s. And he was a real friendly guy. And it occurred to me, you know, I would go to this place and this guy was uh, selling all these newspapers that carried all the traumas of the day and none of them really mean anything now. And, you know, maybe it didn't really mean anything then, but it's the kind of stuff that consumes you day to day, you know, the news. And so the news, the snow landing on the newsstand get, doesn't get involved. It's kind of a three-level thing because there's this very ground-level thing where you're the person dealing with the guy in the newsstand, reading your comic book, there's a very intimate connection with the immediate surroundings and then the uh, 
this sort of pulling out from that to this larger world, all these other people that come and go to the newsstand to get their paper or their magazine or their racing form or their puzzle book or their pack of cigarettes, the lives of strangers, and then the events that they're reading about, the bigger world, all that stuff. So it's the world I recognize that's visible to me that I don't really feel a part of. And then you pull out even further and you get into this cosmic thing, right, where all of this stuff is sort of irrelevant. So, um, you know... The, there was this sense, and I felt it keenly at the time, that there was this multiple-level way of experiencing things. There was a, an objective one, a very subjective one, and then a kind of an, what I call an interactive one, the, the ephemeral, um, intrapersonal one. You know what I mean? It sounds kind of horseshit, but it, it's true. It's what, it's what I was thinking about. I remember sometimes I'd stand there almost in a meditative state on that corner watching the buses go by and the people crossing the street and disassociate a little bit from my personal world, you know, and then I snap right back into it and head either down to the center or up towards the park and towards my home. So in this particular snowy day, I wind up on Ninth Avenue, Prospect Park West, and strung across the streets are all those lights, you know, the electric lights, bells and stars, be stretched across the street. And that comes to the next verse. A guiding star shining every few feet, bright constellations strung out across the street. Well, you know, guiding star, you know, reference to the uh, nativity story in the Bible, you know, wise men seeking the Christ. And so here's these commercial decorations on the street. Br bright constellations is supposed to also sound like constellations. So the star is a an actual star or the mythic star. And it's also a constellation. You know, you, in your workaday life, you have these moments of grace, these elements of grace, like these lights across the street that take an ordinary scene like that and render it magical for the moment that you notice it. Strung out across the street and literal, strung out across the street. And it also evokes some of what these kids are going through strung out. And I think about these things as I walk home because I'm going from a place where there was a lot of this uh, human pain to a fairly safe home. And uh, then the next line is, you never carried me that much, at least I know, because I tracked your bloody footprints all the way back home. It refers to that poem, Footprints in the Sand. And you, if you don't know it, you know, it doesn't matter. But the idea is that God carries you through the rough times. And I didn't feel like God carried me through the rough times. But what did, I ultimately came to believe, was the pursuit of God and the example of godly people, whether they were religious or not, people who embodied that thing. So maybe, maybe God did carry me, I don't know. But uh, it was the tracking the bloody footprints. I was following an idea of God. I was a Catholic school kid, you know, it meant a lot to me. And though I was losing faith because of events in the world, personal events, and what I observed, I'm following those bloody footprints all the way back home. See, now it's the crucified Christ. You know, it wasn't fucking around here. And home was where the truth of all that catechism actually was. It was my parents, you know, doing the Christian thing, taking care of these people and sharing joy with them, all these young folks. There's a push and a pull there between loss of faith and sustaining faith. That's still very much a part of my um, life. I got no answers about any of that, but that's what the song's about. Noel, Noel, born as the king of Israel. Christmas is a symbolic celebration of something that occurs at every moment of every day. 
And I think that's something I've always considered true, whether at, at my most devout, at my most atheistic, and every gradation in between. And I wouldn't try to tell you how I feel about it right now, because it's all, it's all there. It's all spinning around. And that chorus, by the way, uh, the lyric from the first Noel uh, was chosen, you know, born as the king of Israel, because uh, the Jewish tradition was important to my mother. Uh, she incorporated it into my upbringing as a precursor and a living part of her faith. And uh, it's come to mean a lot to me since I've been married and a father. And I'm sorry for all that spieling. I know it eats up a big chunk of the show. And I'll try to keep any speech from here on out to the minimum so I can fit more music in here. So, is the song important? No. Is the thing I'm saying about the song important? No. I'm just suggesting something about the way I listen to music and think about it. And um, it informs a lot of this show and why it is the way it is, for better or worse. Anyway, I'm going to send the number to my friend Joe Williams with love.
They're out to watch You were not so hot Nineteen fifty-eight, I believe, and a beautifully incoherent record by a Utica, New York band called The Plaids. That's out to lunch. And before that, Walking in the Air by Howard Blake, a song from an animated film done for British TV called The Snowman. An unusually sweet and lyrical holiday offering, not the usual kind of like razzmatazz. Really nicely done. And before that, it was the band Spirit from their album Clear, title track, instrumental piece written by Randy California and Jay Ferguson. Kind of soundtrackish, I think. Then we had an uncharacteristically acoustic number by Krungbin from Houston, this trio that plays this mostly instrumental music, uh, pulls a lot of elements from a lot of different world music, pop music. It's very dreamy um, instrumental stuff. And speaking of dreamy, too bad you can't see the bass player, Laura Lee, while listening to that. Ming, pardon me for saying so, but oh man, the number three. And at the top of everything, it was the new Radicals with You Get What You Give. I sent that to my friend Joe Williams because he was friends with Greg Alexander, leader of the new Radicals. And that record, I don't know, like late 90s, I guess that record was. But uh, kind of a Rundgrenish vibe to it but uh, a very upbeat message. Uncommon in pop music to hear an upbeat message that isn't nauseating and fake sounding. In fact, it's hard to find anything these days that isn't nauseating and fake. Believe that. I'm wondering if my spiel about my song before was nauseating. Sure was long, but I tell you, it wasn't fake. Speaking of the holiday thing, I'm going to play something now. Man, this one, holy mackerel. <laughs> I was in the car one time with my mom a long time ago, and uh, this she was listening to one of those music of your life, easy listening type stations, and this number came on, and I, I couldn't believe my ears. It, it's like, <laughs> it's, I don't, you'll, you'll hear what I mean. I was so taken with this record that I, when I got back to the house, I called the radio station up and found the DJ and asked him what the track was called and he told me so I, I got a copy of it <laughs> it's the Harry Simeone Chorale from their Little Drummer Boy album the original recording of that song and they did this original number which uh, gee I, I don't know it hasn't reached uh, the status of a Christmas standard I wonder why sing of a Merry Christmas strap in Sing of a Merry Christmas, sing of a Merry Christmas. 
one of eight preludes for chamber orchestra by BVD Sigtenhorst Meyer. BVD, it's not about underwear. It's Bernhard Vanden Sigtenhorst Meyer, composer from the Netherlands, active in the first half of the 20th century. Before that was Yazoo or Yaz in America, band from England, active in the early 1980s and occasionally thereafter. I might have played that on a previous show. I, I feel like I did. But, um, you know, I don't keep track of these things. I, uh, a lot of times what I do is I'll, I'll put things into the show and then as, as time goes on, things change and I remove them. Like last time, there was going to be a lot more organ music. By the time I got into the show, um, some things got yanked, you know. <laughs> the organ got yanked What can I tell you The title cut from the Mothers of Invention Uncle Meat was in there as well Along with a uh, home tape recording Just a found recording Of some people messing around with a new tape recorder on Christmas A piece of library music called Unhappy Harpsichord From Robert Hall Productions was also in there And we started with that amazing Sing of a Merry Christmas with the Harry Simeon Chorale. Christmas, 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 Christmas. <laughs> Here's a holiday number. So you cry, what's it about? It's all good. I, 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 I was on time, but it's too low. So you cry, what's it about, baby? You ask why the blues had to go and pick you. So you go down to the shore, kid stuff. Don't you know? in store for you Big stuff Let's take a ride In my gravy train The doors open wide Come in from out of the You stare, call it despair, big stuff. Don't you care? I'm on the square about you. Let's have a try. It may be that you're my guy.
stare, call it despair, big stuff. Don't you care? I'm on the square about you. Let's have a try. It may be that you're my Not very much. 
1969, I think. One of the last recordings they did with Van Morrison. He's pretty freewheeling there with all the overt drug references and whatnot. Also pretty free with the Bob Dylan dynamics in that piece. But I like that record. I think it's pretty cool. Mighty Like a Rose. Also borrowed the title from Ethelbert Nevin. Before that was Mabel Mercer, a song called Charm. It's from a musical from the early 50s called Maggie. Music and lyrics by a guy named William Roy. It seems kind of strange listening to that, but Frank Sinatra idolized her and emulated a lot of her singing. I think the phrasing, the diction um, was really important to her, and that's what he drew from her. But it's amazing to see how he translated it into his work, because she sounds very staid and formal. And uh, I mean, on stage, she would perform in a, she would sit in a like gigantic, almost throne with a walking stick in her hand and very imperiously sing these numbers. And Sinatra was a big fan, big, big fan. And I think that song suits her. Something about the, uh, the feel of it suits that kind of delivery. Before that, Serge Gainsbourg, No, No Thanks, No, from one of my favorite albums of his, Confidential. I don't know how to pronounce it in French, so I'm not going to bother. But yes, really strong album. 
also went making with the drug references pretty freely there. So there is, maybe there is a theme here in this mixed grill that I thought I'd put together. We started speaking of drugs with Billy Holiday doing a song by our friend Leonard Bernstein. Big stuff. With one of those false starts we enjoy so much. Show's a little tough to do. I'm not sleeping that well lately. So um, I hope it doesn't affect the program. I hope you're enjoying it. I want to get it in before Christmas so that it's there to listen to anybody who wants to uh, take a buckaroo holiday from the holiday. But, uh, you know, it's been such a depressing year. And um, the new, the one coming up doesn't seem much better. But um, we soldier on, and I'm trying real hard to get that Christmas spirit cranked up. I need some sort of Yule Viagra. Everyone is on the Christmas merry-go-round and loving it. From border to border and coast to coast, 83 and a half million angels have sprouted wings overnight. New York City's window displays attract people from most of the eastern states. They come to marvel at... Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Gee, I don't know what that was all about. <laughs> Hope nobody's mad. You know, some people, I swear to God, you, you, people even you've known for, for a long, long time, they hear something like that, they hear you do something like that, and they're like, uh-oh, what happened to him? You know, and they get real mad, and they go away. <laughs> Dicks. Hey, Lucy, you tell him. I stutter. I must confess what you say is true. I had a rendezvous with somebody new. That's the only one I ever had So baby, baby, don't you go away, man Your cheating shows and it never goes You've got a reason to be mad, I suppose But it only was a passing fad Baby, baby, don't you go away, man Here's kinds of dime a dozen should have passed him by But who'd have thought Your cousin Would come along And give me the eye I understand that you feel upset Well, what do you say That you forgive and forget Come here and kiss me So I'll know you're glad But baby, don't you go away mad Baby, baby, don't you go away, man. 
tell you so Because I'm proud to be a Jew I'd like for you to know Whenever I think of who I am I want to tell you so When I am on the playground It's plain for all to see I wear a big mug and David When people look at me I say I'm proud to be a Jew I'd like for you to know Whenever I think of who I am I want to tell you so Because I'm proud to be a Jew I'd like for you to know Whenever I think of who I am I want to tell you so At Pesach time I'm happy To give my friends a treat I share the chocolate macaroons and matzah that I eat Because I'm proud to be a Jew I'd like for you to know Whenever I think of who I am I want to tell you so Because I'm proud to be a Jew I'd like for you to know Whenever I think of who I am I want to tell you so love to join the choir and sing out loud and strong. If they would ask me what I know, I'd sing a Jewish song. I'd sing, I'm proud to be a Jew. I'd like for you to know, whenever I think of who I am, I want to tell you so, because I'm proud to be a Jew. I'd like for you to know, whenever I I want to tell you so If you would like to visit You'll find me easily For on the doorpost of my house My mezuzah you'll see Because I'm proud to be a Jew I'd like for you to know Whenever I think of who I am I want to tell you so Because I'm proud to be a Jew I'd like for you to know
highway they're one of many acts now that are doing this retro soul thing and uh, you know, like any movement there are, uh, there's a range of quality there but uh, a lot of these acts are really good Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings kind of kicked it off but a lot of these young people doing these amazingly legit recreations of various forms of soul music from the 60s and 70s sweet soul music and uh, Stax sounding stuff Philly sounding stuff, funky stuff, all kinds of uh, beautiful work. I'll certainly be playing more. When it rises above pastiche and uh, is just really using that sound as a launching pad for new ideas, it really can be something special. Then we had Hilly Fields, 1892, by Nick Nicely, which was a pseudonym for uh, Nicholas Laurier. He did that in the early 80s, and it, as you can hear, it's a kind of a psychedelic throwback number, except that it has these hip-hop elements to it, so that's a kind of an oddball approach. Pretty cool record. 
I think it owes something to the record The Days of Pearly Spencer by David McWilliams. If you know that one, I don't know if you know that one. Maybe I'll play that one. I'll play that one after this, maybe. But anyhow, Nicholas did that record and I think another one. And uh, I don't know, the music music biz wasn't that interested in him and uh, he, he quit. But he did return and uh, has been doing some stuff in the 2000s. New albums and gigs and all that. So I'm glad he had that little comeback. You know, kind of like um, my beloved Bill Fay had the same thing. Must be nice. Stephen Rubin gave us I'm Proud to Be a Jew from an album of songs for children about being Jewish. Now, I'm not a Jew, so I can't say I'm proud to be a Jew, but I'm proud to celebrate Hanukkah. We Hanukkah, we Hanukkah, Yom Tefashen. You know, we, we do all that, you know, and... Uh, I respect those traditions, so as comical as that song may come off, I, I don't mean it sarcastically. At the top of that set, Lucy Ann Polk slutting around in Don't Go Away Mad. <laughs> what a killer light swing and feel on that one, and she really gives it the right touch. Real enjoyable record. I'm sorry I talked over the beginning of it the way I did. You know, uh, I've known some of these DJs who worked in the Top 40 radio world, and they prided themselves on how they would do these spiels before the song that would take you right up until the vocal started. If you look on some old records, they even tell you how long the intro is so you can plan, you know. But it, it was something that always annoyed me because I, I, I loved intros. So I, I apologize for doing it that time. But I, I you know, for every once in a while, I'm going to ape the old DJs because I love it so. And there I was making my important political statement. So I had to, you know, give it some emphasis. You know, you know how it is. Gotta do these things while I can, because pretty soon, it ain't gonna be allowed anywhere. And if that sounds weird, are you using Facebook? Are you using Zoom? Do you think you can say what you think? Well, all right, I'll let that go. I mentioned uh, David McWilliams, The Days of Pearly Spencer. I'll play that now, and you'll see how it relates to Nick Nicely. He uses that same effect that Jeff Lynn used in the telephone line on this one. It's a real cult favorite covered by the likes of Mark Almond, so forth. The Days of Pearly Spencer, 1967. Street, walked and worn by shoeless feet In silence long and so complete Watched by a shivering sun Old eyes in a small child's face Watching as the shadows race Through walls and cracks and leave no trace And daylight's brightness shun Hard and frosted glass Gazing as the swollen mass On concrete fields where grows no grass Stumbles blindly on Iron trees smother the air But withering they stand and stare Through eyes that neither know nor care Where the grass is gone Your milk white skin 
What's that stubble on your chin? Buried in the rot gut gin You played and lost not one You play the house that can't be beat Now look, your head's bowed in defeat You walk too far along the street Where only rats can run
gonna wipe away all our tears. He gonna wipe the tears. Yeah. He gonna wipe the tears from your eyes. Do you hear me out there this evening? I said we ain't gonna cry.
Johnny, finish your lunch. Get the message that Jack Scott has given us. Show's over. That's his big hit, Goodbye Baby, by the way. You might have heard that before. It's not especially obscure. But that'll take us to the end of another Buckaroo holiday. Let me just tell you what you heard before that. You heard Pram with the Clockwork Lighthouse. And a beautiful song by the Supreme Jubilees. It'll all be over. And it sure will. The Empire Brass with one of my favorite Christmas perennials, O Come O Come Emmanuel. Gotta remember the the goose flesh I'd get when they'd play it at Christmas Mass at Holy Name. Still moves me. And I already told you about David McWilliams. So yeah, listen, I hope, uh, hope you have a good holiday. I hope uh, 2021 better for us all. I, I say that with no faith that it will be. In fact... I say it with great sorrow. On reflection of the past year, I'm going to focus on the positive. Positive is some of you who have uh, supported this show by listening to it, by commenting and contacting me about it, which I really love. Thank you for that. Those of you who've joined the Patreon and helped support what I'm doing, um, eternally grateful. And I'm going to have the giveaway soon of the some more of these prizes I've been working on. Things have been kind of piling up around here, so everything's been slower. But I will thank you with those. And everybody will get one. Everybody in the Patreon will get one. There's also a couple of the custom shows coming up. The commission jobs. 
They're underway already and they'll be up very soon. I don't know when the next proper buckaroo holiday will be up. It might be delayed. I don't know. It's, it's all down to how I'm feeling. Big shout to Eric for coming up with the whole commission's idea. It was a real delight for me this year. Uh, not only, obviously, it's cool to make a few bucks, but uh, just what it represented, the kind of uh, respect and faith and all that that uh, that involved. I uh, find it really touching. Those of you who followed suit and have commissioned other ones, thank you as well. But Eric really kicked it off, and it was, it was brilliant. A really, really cool idea. And the Buckaroo Holiday Extra show of uh, cover tunes which Eric commissioned, will be the first of a series of Buckaroo Holiday Extra things coming fast and furious. Cheers, Eric. Those will be on the Patreon for those of you participating in that. Give my customary invite to anyone else listening that you can join that. And You know, I've been thinking about migrating the show largely to that and inverting the whole thing because uh, I'm feeling a little bit dubious about pod being more and more you know i think that one day the hammer is going to come down and it's going to end and i want to and i'm not doing the wfmu thing evidently um i don't i don't really think i want to i like my freedom we should all like our freedom we don't though but in any case uh i don't know if i want to be tied down to a weekly thing i think it would make everything suck and i you take something that you really love doing and then you try to make it a profession and that completely fucking destroys it and that's happened to me with a few different things and I don't know, I need this now in the twilight of my years. I need it to be fun. Hope your holidays are fun. Hope your new year is fun. I wish you a year of health and wealth, and I wish us all a lot of luck this year. Gonna top this one off with our old friend Charles Ives. Might have played this before. I don't know if I played this version. Rosalind Reese doing Ives' beautiful self-composed Christmas carol. My love to you all. Merry Christmas from Buckaroo Holiday.
shut her eyes. Oh, oh, oh. 